Open up your Bible to Acts chapter 9. We're kind of looking at the last part of, uh, of chapter 9 uh, here in Acts. Um, I don't know about you guys, but as I've been reading through, processing through uh, the, the book of Acts, I've found it to be a little bit intimidating. Uh, it's, I mean, when you read about some of the things that took place as a part of the foundation and the building of the early church, they're awesome. They're amazing. And I'm a little bit, maybe a little bit jealous. Like day one, Peter preaches to an entire city, like a huge, gigantic thousands and thousands of people. 3,000 people get saved and baptized that day. I've not done that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You read about Peter, like he's preaching faithfully and he gets arrested and he's in trouble and he gets flogged and they go back and they're praying fervently for, for God's spirit and, and the whole place like shakes and they go out boldly and proclaim the word more and even more people get saved. I, I've not caused any earthquakes with my prayers. Like the closest I come is sometimes during the closing prayer, the second service, there's a lot of stomach grumbling. <laughs> but I don't think that counts. Uh, here in, in uh, chapter 9, here in, in Acts, Peter tells this paralyzed man, dude, get up, get up and walk. And he does. Oh, that's amazing. Then right after that, uh, he goes to the house of this woman who has passed away and raises her from the dead. I can't keep a house plant alive. But Peter, I can't. maybe I'm doing things wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I just need to pray harder. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt... Like, why are there such amazing results in the Bible? Or why, why does it seem like there are these other Christians in my life that just seem like they're so awesome? Like they've, they're doing this whole Christian life thing so well and they're inviting people to church and they're bringing people to the Lord and, they're, and their prayers are being answered and they're just crushing Christianity. And I don't know, I'm, I just feel like I can't, measure up to what they're accomplishing. And I think that uh, it's, it's a common thing for us, just as human beings, to compare ourselves with others, right? I don't know if it's always a, a healthy thing, but I think it's normal for us to sometimes compare. Like when you first have kids, right? You're always comparing yourself with other parents and other babies to make sure that your baby is normal and that you're parenting uh, correctly, In our jobs, a lot of times we'll compare how are we uh, doing compared to other people that are working the same kind of job, or how is our company compared to other companies, or how does our family compare to the neighbors? As as a pastor, it's easy for me to compare myself with other pastors and other churches and think, well, why... Why isn't our church like like bigger? Why why don't we have more uh, people? And, and there's this whole like multi million dollar industry that exists out there that's really all about 
uh, uh, feeding into that pastoral insecurity thing. It's called the church growth movement. Uh, tons of books and seminars and conferences that you could go to that will promise that if you go and follow their steps, that your church will grow and you'll have more money and you'll have more influence and you'll have more book deals and it'll be great. <laughs> I think I think the reason uh, that that we feel a little insecure is because uh, in in most areas of life, a lot of areas uh, out there, success is measured by results. Right? You are a successful parent if your child like grows up and is fairly well adjusted. That's you have a successful end product. Good work. How did you do that? So we can copy it. Uh, if your if your company is making money and gaining customers, that's a successful company. As as a as a pastor and as church leaders, we can sometimes think that the measure of our success, our effectiveness, is growing attendance and growing budgets and more influence. But what if? But what if here in the church world, especially effectiveness? Is it measured by the end result? Because here's, here's the thing. Ultimately, the results, the, the outcome of our ministry is not so much up to us, right? But it's up to God. <laughs> it's right. And the, and the same God who called Peter to go preach to thousands and baptize thousands and have this effective ministry. It's the same exact God who called Jeremiah to go preach to a group of people that God knew wouldn't listen. It's this, the same God who calls Paul and equips Paul to this amazing ministry where he goes and spreads the gospel all over the place and plants all these churches and writes most of the New Testament has this huge influence. That same God also called Hosea to his ministry where he had such little influence that he couldn't even keep his wife from not cheating on him. Because, because we have this like great, big, awesome, sovereign God who has a perfect plan and knows exactly what He is doing, you and I can't measure our success purely by the results. Because God doesn't call everyone to the exact same kind of ministry in the exact same kind of way, in the exact same time, in the exact same place. We all have a different thing that we are called to. Paul uh, understood this. Paul explains this to the people in the church at, at Corinth who got sucked into that comparison thing and there was some jealousy. Uh, some people were like, we love Apollos. He's the man. He's awesome. Others were like, no, 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 Paul. Paul is the guy. Obviously, it's Paul. And there was, there was a lot of uh, arguing and jealousy and quarreling. And so Paul says this, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants 
through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. In other words, he's saying, listen, we're nothing. We're nothing. We're just guys that uh, as we did what God asked us to do, as we carried out our assigned task, God did something. He goes on to say, I planted a seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be awarded, rewarded according to how giant his church is. No, that's not what it says, right? Each will be rewarded according to the outcome. No, that's not what it says. It says each will be rewarded according to his own labor. That's the measure of success. For me as a pastor, for this as a church, and for you as Christians who have been called and gifted by God with a ministry that you need to do. Our measure of success is not the results, but it's how faithfully we do what God has called us to do. Paul says each of us has a job. An area of ministry uh, might be planting, it might be watering. It's different. But we're not, we're not rewarded according to the end result. That's God's thing. We're rewarded according to our own labor. And I find that to be incredibly encouraging. I don't have to compare myself with other pastors or with other churches. I don't have to fret about numbers. All I need to do is faithfully preach the gospel and serve in the ways that God has called and equipped me to serve and then trust Him with the rest. Uh, Hopefully, all of you can find encouragement and hope from this as well. You, You don't don't necessarily have to go around raising people from the dead or healing the lame. You just need to be faithful in, in ministering and doing whatever God has called and equipped you to do. So because of this, because of, because of that truth and because of what we know God is doing through us, when we read about Peter's ministry, I think maybe what we need to do is take our eyes off of the end result a little bit and pay more attention to his actions. What was he doing? What was his, what was his labor like? Because I think Peter does model for us here uh, not, not just the upfront preaching to thousands kind of ministry, because he did that, but there's also a personal ministry that Peter models for us here that we see here in chapter 9. One that's way more relational, one that's way more connecting, more personal, more right there with people in the midst of their hurt and their pain, right there in their homes. There's some things that Peter does in ministry that I think we can learn from. Let's read uh, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 32. 
says, now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, uh, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Make your bed. Immediately, he got up. And all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Dang. (laughs) Wow. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in in Greek is called Dorcas. There's a girl's name that has fallen out of popularity, right? (laughs) I don't know a lot of Dorcases. (laughs) Tabitha, though, that's better. Uh, This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. When they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all uh, the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. Peter sent them all out knelt down and prayed. Turn to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known all over Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Okay, so remember... Our goal today is not to necessarily look at the results of Peter's ministry, which are awesome and amazing, and God works miracles here. But instead, we want to look more at the way in which Peter went about his work. First, we can clearly see that Peter is engaged in the lives of people. He's not... not Uh, stagnant. He's not aloof. He's active. He's on the move. He's he's obedient to Jesus's command back in Matthew, right? Therefore, go and make all disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you. At the the very beginning of Acts, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but not just there. Don't just stay there. Also Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Peter doesn't just hang out in Jerusalem with those first 3,000 believers. I mean, he could, he could have. He could have just like rested on those significant accomplishes and hung out with those people and decided that from that point on, he's just going to be the front man. He's just going to get up and, and, and preach awesome sermons and then go back to his study. But instead, after hearing about the Holy Spirit of God has moved through other regions and has, and has saved the Samaritans, he travels out to meet those people and to connect with them and to teach them more. Effective personal ministry will be engaging. I, I think that uh, maybe in some ways I have a tendency to be a... Uh, Introverted, a little 
a little sh- sheltered, a little... I, but maybe some of you uh, feel the same way that in a lot of your circles, it's just Christians that you hang out with. You have Christians in your family, and then you come here and you have Christians that are your friends, and then you don't have a lot of opportunities to connect with non-Christians. You don't have a lot of opportunities to engage, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, in, in seminary, I felt this really strongly. Camille and I lived on campus of the, of the seminary. We both worked on campus of that seminary, uh, like a solid 99% of our time was there. And then when we do leave, it was usually to go to church. We were just in this, in this Christian bubble. And, and even, even, how, even as a pastor, I find that uh, it's easy to surround myself only with, with Christians and not engage that much with those who are lost. Uh, I've never really considered evangelism one of my uh, strengths. Uh, Sitting quietly in my office, drinking coffee and reading and writing, that's my spiritual gift. Uh, But I I felt particularly convicted about, you know, staying in my office a couple of years ago and prayed about, all right, what would be some ways, God, that you could uh, use me in in different ways uh, outside and... um, Around that time, I had a couple of opportunities that opened up for me to volunteer and serve more at Woodland Christian School, which is awesome because it's a, it's a Christian school, but I don't know if you know this, not everybody who goes there is a Christian. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people that just send their kids there because it's an awesome school and you get a really good uh, education. And so here is a place where parents are sending their kids and their kids are coming home and saying, hey, would you tell me more about Jesus? This seems like a good thing. And the parents are, uh, I don't know, uh, anybody can help me with this. Uh, and so for me, it seemed like an opportunity that, that I could have to come and, and, I don't know, connect with not just the kids, but also with, with, with parents and uh, minister more. And so even though, like, for me, it's a little bit of a, I don't know, sometimes challenging for me to, get out of my office and, and go and, and serve, uh, it's been a huge blessing. And, and it's not something that's like it's huge stretch or way out of my, my comfort zone. It's a place that I love uh, with, with people that, that I love. Um, and, and God's been faithful in giving me all kinds of opportunities to connect with, with people through that. So I appreciate it. I, I don't... I don't think that engaging means doing something that's super outside of your wheelhouse or totally like foreign to you or something that has to be awkward or uncomfortable. I think it could mean just taking whatever your natural gifts are or what areas of influence you already have and using those in a way that's for the cause of Christ. And those opportunities for you, I don't know, they might be uh, things at at work, things at school, volunteering in the community in different ways. But don't be be closed off. Don't be be stingy with the things that God has blessed you with. Be faithful to engage with people. Uh, Second, we clearly see that Peter, not only is he engaged, but he's Christ-centered, right? And everything that he does, he's, he's Christ-centered. What does he say to the, to the lame man? He said, Jesus Christ heals you. 
He doesn't take credit for anything. He understands that all the power, all the authority for his ministry, it's all from Jesus. And I want that to still be the case, especially here at, at Calvary Baptist Church, because I, you know, having read a n- number of those church growth books, I know that there are lots of things that we could do as a church to attract larger crowds, but those things a lot of times have more to do with theatrics than they do with Jesus. And, and there are adjustments and changes that we're going to make to our worship service and, and, and do our music and do our decor. But hopefully all of those things are for the purpose of removing as many distractions as we can so that we can focus on Jesus better when we come in here to worship. That, that, that's what I want. Uh, we, have a, we have an awesome board who prays regularly and fervently for God's guidance, for Him to lead His church, for discernment in everything we do. And my desire is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you every single Sunday. And I think that, that for each one of you individually, you also have to be Christ-centered, Christ-focused in your ministry. We all need to have that same deep love for Jesus in such a way that, that we just desire so much to serve Him to honor Him with our lives, that that we want all that we do, all that we say, all of our personal interactions to to glorify Him. Paul says to to the Corinthians, you got freedom, go do some stuff, but whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Effective personal ministry is going to involve talking about Jesus and serving through the power of Jesus and seeking to glorify Jesus. Next thing that I think we see from Peter's ministry is that he was super approachable. When Tabitha passes away, uh, some of the fellow Christians hear that Peter's nearby. They go to him. They ask him for help. And Peter hops right up and goes with them. And I'm not, I'm not sure what they expected when they came to Peter. I, I think that they were hoping that Peter would, would heal her. But I think also they just longed for his presence. They just wanted somebody who they knew is so full of of God's grace and God's peace and God's mercy and God's spirit. You just want somebody like that near you when you're struggling and when you're suffering and when you're hurting. Have you noticed that in your own life? Having those kinds of people around you when you're going through a hard time is difficult. It, it just it makes, makes life better. Be that kind of person that people want. They know about your grace and your love for Christ. Be comforting and encouraging and hopeful and helpful. Be approachable. Being approachable means being hopeful instead of constantly pessimistic or discouraging and, and being gracious instead of being like constantly complaining about things or 
critical, being joyful and not sour all the time. It means being confident in your faith and trusting in, in God and not constantly worried about the small things. It means that we need to be known as being people who always have a word of comfort or peace on our lips. A person who prays with others. That kind of person, man, that kind of person that's willing to come and to comfort and to pray, to be welcoming and open. We need more of those kind of people. One way to do that is by walking slower. I learned that in seminary. I had a professor who always seemed like he was sprinting from place to place. He had this fast walk, and whenever I wanted to like ask him a question, I felt like I had to try and catch up with him, and he just seemed very unapproachable just by his, his pace. Like he was always in a hurry, like he was always rushing, like I was always interrupting him. Uh, just walk slower. Make sure that you build enough margin in your life that you aren't always in a rush, that you can take time to go out of your way to comfort and be with people who, who need you. Peter could have said here, ah, I'm not going to go way over to Joppa. That's like, it's way over by the ocean. I'm not going there. Ah, I'm too busy. I have important places to go. I don't have time. It's too late anyway. It's already, she's already gone. Now Peter is, he's approachable. He's available. He's hopeful. He's willing to come and serve. I guarantee you that God will give you lots of opportunities to minister to people who are hurting, confused, in pain, because this world is full of them. Be willing and ready to serve when the need arises. All right, what are we supposed to do or say when we get there? All right, I'm available, I'm approachable, I'm willing to come, but now what? How do I? One of the things that Peter does when he gets there is he prays, right? Well, what else could he do at that point? What else is he going to do other than pray? I mean, he takes time to meet with those who are mourning, uh, he listens to them. They tell him all about Tabitha and her ministry and things that she had provided and what she had done. And, and then he prays. Because the power, the, the power of Jesus Christ, the power that Peter had, it's, it's in prayer. This, this God, this sovereign, almighty, awesome God, He's the one that can change things. I think sometimes we underestimate the, the power of prayer. I, I, I think we just don't realize how uh, meaningful and effective it is. Here, in this passage, the power of prayer results in someone being brought back to life. So obviously, prayer has some teeth to it. It has some, some significance. Effective personal ministry will involve a lot of the time, prayer, praying with people. I, I know I'm 
like I'm the one who's the pastor, but I think my wife is way better at this uh, than I am. Uh, like she's always asking me whenever I come home from like meeting or counseling, did you pray with them? Um, maybe. <laughs> Uh, she's more of the, I'm, I'm like the, like the, I'll pray for you later by myself. Uh, and she's more of the, let's pray right now kind of person. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think I want to be more of the, let's just pray about it right now kind of, of a person. Uh, I want to be in, in that place where going to God in prayer is just like the knee jerk response whenever big things or even small things come up. I want all of us to be more like that. And our our prayers, they don't have to be like lengthy or flowery or fancy. But let me encourage you not to be afraid to just say those words more often. Can I pray for you right now? Right here over the phone, right where we're standing, whatever the situation, can I... Let me say a quick prayer for you. Let, 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 me, let me have that be the homework for the week. All right, that's your homework for this week. At some point over the week, say those words, can I pray for you? Uh, man, it's rare to have somebody who says, no, no, don't pray for me. That's awful. Why would you do that? I mean, sometimes a really stubborn person might say that. But most people are going to appreciate it. I think if we're engaged and if we're Christ-centered and if we're approachable and if we're prayerful in the way that we interact with people, then we're going to be rewarded according to our labor. And our, our ministry is going to be fruitful. It's going to be effective. The fruit of our labor might not look exactly like Peter's, okay? It might not be, you know... Thousands and thousands of people saved or all these different people healed. But I don't know, I'm still going to keep praying that God would heal people. Might not be somebody raised from the dead, but it, it might be somebody spiritually moving from death to life. Like I said earlier, the results are, those are up to God. Proverbs 16 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own end. Again, it's just, it's so freeing when we understand that the results are totally in God's hands. It's freeing to know that our our reward, our success as, as Christians It's not measured by how many people we've brought to the Lord, but simply in our faithfulness in sharing Christ. And and that means I don't get to get upset with him if he decides he's going to give me two talents and somebody else five. If if he decides that the results are going to be different for me than they are from somebody else, that's, that's not fair. One of my favorite teachers from, from uh, school said, here's your job. Your job is to go and preach the word and love people and do your best in every situation and then go home and take a nap. Uh, 
What he's trying to communicate is do your part, work faithfully for God, and then just relax and trust God to do his part. I think that's good advice. Good advice for all of us. Um, Go out there and share Jesus with people. Pray with them. Do your best in every situation. And then then rest in the knowledge that God will use your efforts for His glory. Let's pray. God, I I thank You for this encouragement and this reminder that You are a great big God who's in control and knows what He's doing. Lord, we bring to You our... what feels like just a small weak offering our lives that uh, don't seem like much, knowing that you're a God who can take it and multiply it. So help us, God, to be faithful to do our part, to do those things that you have called us to do, Lord. Help us to be people who are engaged, who intentionally want to connect with others and have those opportunities to share Jesus with them and Lord, when those opportunities arise, help us to be faithful in pointing people to Jesus Christ. God, we pray that we wouldn't be uh, passive, that we wouldn't be afraid, that we we would be bold. Lord, that we would be committed. Lord, that we would serve You out of a heart that just loves You for what You have done for us. Thank you again, God, for all of the ways that you've blessed us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen.